0: All I have to say, while I get into that, thank you for being here today. Welcome to our 9 o'clock service. If you're watching online, it's so good to have you as well, uh, connecting with us and this opportunity that we continue to grow in a series that we started a few weeks ago, Pro- The Promised Land. The Promised land. We love that title. It's not the promised land. It's actually land that we've already received. And and, and there's there's so much more than the, the physical property that this is all about. It's really about the promised land is about God's presence with us. We we, we left off last week talking about Joshua, this new leader, and, and he, he was called to lead the 2.5 million people. How many know you'd be shaking in your boots, right? Shaking in your sandals like, what did I get myself into? But God God spoke to Joshua and it's a, it's a it's a message to us that we need to hear when we're faced with obstacles and challenges that we have he said to God God said to Joshua have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever. You go. That's the promise of the promised land. Is this God says, I'll be with you wherever you go, whatever you do, uh, my presence will be there. Today, we're jumping in right getting into chapter two. And what we find is that the people are still on the edge of the promised land. We haven't got into the land yet, and we're about to, but it's going to happen not just rushing in quite yet. Because the problem with the Promised Land is this. this: is what they came to face when they got to the edge of going. Oh my gosh, there's people here already. <laughs> now what do we do? Wait a second. That's one problem. We're, someone already lives here. It's you know, it's it. And it, so if if you're feeling like at times, if you imagine being Joshua, what would you do? Well, you do what you know to do. In fact, you go back to what was modeled to you before. And that's really what we find in in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says this, that Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. That's what it says. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Now notice what Joshua's doing. There's, there's There's a playbook here, okay? There's something he goes back to to his old coach to run this play and the play was send some spies in but the problem with the old coach Moses his mentor he sent 10 in but only two came back with a positive attitude about it which was Joshua himself and his buddy Caleb and so Joshua going I don't think we need to do 10 to do the job I like the two work really well we'll send two in more of a navy seal approach to this task they had to do But listen what happens next. The thing about this, where would you go first? If you're going in on this spy mission, it's questionable to say the least what they... Look at the last part of verse 1. It says, They went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, I don't understand strategy too well, and we'll get to kind of why that that happened, but if there's certain occupations that... evoke a different response that would be if you're, you're, in, you're in a dinner party or whatever and people ask what do you do well, i'm a heart surgeon okay wow that's admirable and he's like well tell us wow tell us what you do and then and someone you know someone says what do you do i'm a harlot i was like wow okay well moving on over here right that you kind of that's kind of a showstopper and that's it, it evokes something in fact rahab if you look in scripture you find out of the multiple times mentioned Each time when Rahab is mentioned, it's Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute. You're just like, it's hard to shake this label, this reputation. It seemed to follow her wherever she goes. And yet the story of Rahab the prostitute is also the story of God's incomparable grace. That literally, as we're going to look at, Israel hung its hope on through this one woman that we're going to fight literally you will see this here in a moment well joshua's top two dogs what do they do what are the first thing they do they enter the house of a prostitute you're just like guys you know what what are you doing here this is that you what what, why would you do this well they weren't trying to do anything weird or anything like that that what they were trying to do is actually very strategic because if anybody knew anything these people would if anybody knew what was going on and the rumors and the secrets and everything these are the people that understood and they were the ones that Abel could be very very discreet and they were on the edge of the city they were actually on literally Rahab's house the, the house of ill repute I guess was on the wall itself of Jericho this this town so they needed a little in intel and so they what happens, what's even greater is God was going to use what we find, Rahab, yes, the prostitute, as part of his divine plan to fulfill this promised hope, this hope that literally we're going to look at, Israel hung it's, hung its hope on and for us as well. Unfortunately, we read in verses 2 through 7, we'll gloss over, but the spies found out they were spotted and the word of them reached King of Jericho. He ordered Rahab to hand over the guests. There was rumor they were saying there. She hid them. She lied to them. She lied to them that, that that. and when she did that, put her in grave danger. And city officials confronted her, but she kept her discretion because that's what her profession did. Well, it leads to this search party of a wild goose chase, and, and to find the two. And now you think about this. Why would Rahab, do this. Why was she even bothered with them at all? What and, and then what we find is, why when she discovers that, oh, they're coming in to spy on our land, and if I give them information, they're going to have more information to come and invade us. Why in the world would you do that? Well, we read why. Listen to this account that we have. It says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to him, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. What does that sum up? Rahab knew. Rahab knew of the reputation, not only of these people, but of God not just any old god, because they worshipped a lot of different gods and a lot of different idols, but the one true God. Israel had this reputation. There was this rumor that was there, and it was part of folklore. It was part of the, but it really was God's promise to Abraham 650 years ago that He was going to give them a land, a land filled with milk and honey, a land that was theirs. But it is the, the land of Canaan. And what happened, ironically, in the whole thing? Here's Rahab's. A Canaanite herself. But that's what knew was going to happen. They, they heard of the miracles of Egypt and what happened. And they, they utterly destroyed these armies in their wake. And now 2.5 million people are on the outside of your city ready to invade. What's the reaction to that? Melting in fear. You ever melt in the sun and the heat? We've done that a few weeks ago, right? Melting in fear. They they were crumbling in in a place, and and really, as we talked last week, of fear, like they were frozen. They did not know what to do. Well, this promised battle was happening; is going to happen. But we need to look as we've been looking at this whole account. It wasn't just a military conflict. It was psychological warfare. In fact, more than that, it was spiritual warfare that was taking place. And It was for the minds and the hearts of the very people. And it always is. It all, that always is the, the true battle. And so as the king of Jericho fortified the stronghold and getting ready for battle, Rahab had a different response. Her response was surrender to the sovereign Lord, what does it say? For the Lord your God is God in heaven above, on the on the earth below. Basically, we read and We read in the Hebrew here. It's it's she's calling, invoking the name, not just a generic God, not a lowercase G God, but Yahweh, the Lord God, or Jehovah, the Lord God. Calls him by name. And it's the Lord of all lords, the only Lord, the only God. His sovereignty she declares in that. Statement, Rahab, the Canaanite, Rahab, the prostitute, was experiencing the power at work in her life. She believed in the reality, not only his existence, but we find here her confession of faith. Rahab, the prostitute, Rahab, the person that people look down upon and what she did and who she's with, her, she found God. Actually, God found Rahab. The spies thought they were on a reconnaissance mission, but actually they were on a mission trip. God didn't need a scouting report. He didn't need to send them in to collect data. He sent the spies to collect Rahab. Not just to save her, but but to save many through her. And it's which we're going to look at here literally their hope of, Israel, of, hope of Israel and the our hope hangs on it and there's a thread of God's great promise that we're going to look at for salvation for all and so Rahab pleads with the two spies to make a pledge to spare her her family when Israel invades and this is what the two spies said back they said our lives for your lives the men assured her if you don't tell what, what we are doing we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land and here's where i find it's i'm fascinated by the story that i really discovered recently it says this of rahab it says this is what she did so she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived and it was part of the city well now stick with me on the specifics of this this word rope here means so it's in Hebrew. It's the it's the Hebrew word shovel, and shovel means rope, but it also means boundary marker, and and physically, but it also means emotionally. It's used as a word for struggle, as a word for trials, a word for sorrow and pain. In fact, it's in Hebrew. It's it's connected to the umbilical cord of a baby. In, The birth pangs the the struggle the the issues of life and that and i would say this for us how many know we can be lowered down on the wall literally i was emotionally with our troubles and we're hanging on to dear life we're hanging on trying to get through what we're getting through and we're struggling through and, and 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 what we find we're at the end of our rope at times and what do we do. What do we hang on to? That's really what this word means. So, so Rahab lets down on this rope, this shovel, so she says to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there for three days. Just just keep that as a thread of thought. Three days, sound familiar, until they return and then go on your way. Now listen what the the spy's response. Now the man had said to her, this oath you made, us swear, will not be binding on on us unless we enter the land you've tied this scarlet cord. The scarlet cord. Scarlet. It's kind of interesting here. Yeah, when we think of history, we think of literature, we think of the scarlet letter. We've maybe read that book before and the, the Salem witch trials and everything and the big S on the lady's chest. And I, mean, if, I tell you, if if Rahab was during the 1600s and there, she would have been burned at the stake. Okay, It was a serious thing. Scarlet, the color, not quite scarlet color, I tried but that cord that represented something, something very, very powerful. See, you know, the red, the scarlet, you know, the Bible says this, that though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. It represents that. They tell her to tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers all in your family into your house. Now we kind of, we're going to geek out a little bit I think on this little word cord because cord, rope well it's, it means that but it's a different Hebrew word. Shevel is this other word for rope cord is this word tikvah and the word tikvah here means with Coming great expectation. Sum it up. Hope. Hope on a rope. Have you heard soap on the rope? Hope on a rope. Listen to the echo of this prophetic as it goes on. It says, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if if a hand is laid on them but if you tell what we are doing we'll be released from the oath you've made us swear agreed she replied so be as you have said you say so she sent them away and they departed and she tied this scarlet cord in the window what's going on here well there's a prophetic thread all the way through that's connecting they're all it's all connecting when you look at this because what that experience of tying this scarlet cord on the window is very similar to what the people of Israel in in when they're trying to escape Egypt and from slavery and all these plagues were sent and that last plague of death came over and God warned Moses to tell the people listen I'm gonna pass over. A death angel is gonna come over. You need to protect my people. Tell them when they go to go in their house and to sacrifice a lamb and take that the blood of that lamb and put over the doorpost. And then when the death angel comes, he'll pass over. He'll skip over and become the passover. Very similar what God was telling Rahab through the spies. To do this, this scarlet color of cord is symbolic of the lamb's blood. The lamb we just sang today, the lamb, the lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. All through one woman, this the holding on to this hope on a rope through her Rahab, the prostitute. Yeah. God was. Foreshadowing. We, we talked about this already. Joshua is a foreshadow. It's a, it's a warm-up leading to the Joshua, the Yeshua. We call him Jesus. Joshua, Jesus, same Hebrew word means God saves. He did and he does. And Rahab kept her promise and the spies kept theirs. And God saved her her family from destruction and, and we read of the fall of Jericho this is what scripture says and we'll be looking at this in a couple of weeks of the fall in Joshua 6 it says Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent spies to Jericho now what's interesting is that God not only spared the life of Rahab and her family you know, you think about this. What, whatever happened, what their, their whole, everything was in a rubble, right? Where, you know what? They, they ended up not being homeless. They're not like, they spared them, good, see you later, have a great life. No, look at what happens. It says this, Scripture says, And she lived among the Israelites to this day. Isn't that powerful to think about, what, to read it? To, due to the surrender to the sovereignty of God, due to the, out of that of salvation, her sacrifice of service, She's not an outsider of God's promises. She's now an insider. She's called not just to be in the outskirts of this promise, but to fully possess the promise that was there. Rahab, the prostitute, really? She's in on this too? Yeah. What a promise to us! that we, you and I, do not have to be on the edge of God's promises, but through believing and trusting in the sovereignty of God and the salvation He provides and the service that we're part of, we can be in, we can be all in. We're in the family no matter where we came from or what we did. I love what Josh says when introducing those that are new in the church. Whatever you believe, and what we mean by that is whatever background you're coming from, whatever place you're in life, whatever you experience... It doesn't matter where you're at. You can be in. You can experience salvation through Christ and this pathway that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone can be a part of that. I love the, that this last line because mention this isn't the end of Rahab's story. It's, it, there's an, a huge epilogue ahead. Her story doesn't end and outlive her. She becomes very famous. In fact, even her shady past, she actually has a future legacy that we can read. Because you just fast forward 1,400 years later. 1,400 years later, we find she shows up in the genealogy. Imagine Googling getting your ancestry.com and you look down and guess who's in your family. Dude. Grandma really? <laughs> Scandalous isn't it but what we look is is so interesting so beautiful story a young man named Solomon whose father was called Judah means praise finds this beautiful faith-filled renewed life in Rahab once labeled a woman of the night is now married to the church of Worship leader. Scandalous, I know. Solomon and Rahab have a son named Boaz. Has anybody heard the name Boaz before? Yeah, kingsman, redeemer. They have... A, so he Boaz marries a little known name, Ruth. In fact, there's a whole Bible, uh, chat, a Bible uh, book named after her. And eventually, what happens... Is she becomes, they become great grandparents of King David. 28 generations later, leads to the Redeemer, Jesus Himself. Isn't that crazy? Rahab no longer the title prostitute. She is the great, 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 great grandma of Jesus Himself. Not a harlot any longer, but actually, is even labeled more, a hero. Rahab's faith is confirmed in her actions, earns her spot on the hallowed halls of faith. In the book of Hebrews, it says, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Kind of, just a kind of little side note, but what's interesting is, and you read in that context is, she is referenced just after the very patriarch that started the whole promise in the process, Abraham himself. In the same breath, in the same breath, the Hebrew writer is saying, Abraham trusted God and had faith. Oh, and by the way, Rahab did. Rahab, the prostitute. Yeah. Received the promise as well. It says this, James puts it this way, even more, puts a little more kind of rubber to the road of what Rahab did in the same way, not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies, sent them off in a different direction as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead, James is making very clear it's not just believing in the sovereignty of God but living in the service of the sovereignty of God that our faith becomes activating. he uses example a Rahab the harlot is the hero here that he writes, great faith shown it out, in believing in great God, God uses Rahab to save a nation to save her us and everyone and literally hope was hanging in the balance of it Now, how do we relate, how do we relate in a moment here we're going to have an opportunity to really look at the real hero Jesus and what he done as the real redeemer and everything that happened, we're going to have some time around the community and remember, but I want to remember Rahab for a moment I want us to remember Rahab, and I want to look, in fact, you and I were like, I don't know if I relate with a former prostitute. I get that, but you and I can learn from her story, and we can we can actually find some commonality in our own lives. Here's a few thoughts, and then we'll have a time around communion. The first is this, is that you probably figured this out already, in her story, that labels are lies and they don't define us. She carried that. That label followed her, but it, it wasn't going to be her finality. It wasn't going to be her life. She had that past, and it was a reminder of her past. And how many you know we try to sh- shake our past, and yet there's there's titles along the way that we we have to deal with, and it's from that. It's and what she ended up doing is like, yeah, it's my past. It's part, but it's part of my story. My story of redemption and what Jesus did. But I tell you, we we have labels that we need to shed, don't we? We. You might not have, you know, Rahab the prostitute, you might not have that as a tile, but you might have had this, cheater, liar, addict, divorcee, bankrupt, broken, depressed, dumb, some of us, you know, Dealt when we, you know, were young, you know, in our lives. We got we dealt when we we're too young, and now we're too old. Have, I don't know about you, but I felt like I went from too young to too old in like, you know, two months. I don't know what happened. Like, how did that happen? But life goes by so fast. And we these labels that we put on our lives. And here's the thing with the labels. We've talked about this a lot. And these old titles and titles people have given we put on ourselves that are lies. And yet we start believing them. And in fact, I think a lot of us have faked our way through enough that we don't, we, you don't know, really think about it a whole lot. And yet deep down, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thinking about it, those old Lies; those old labels come back towards us. And so we feel that at times. And, and, and so what happens is we kind of keep our distance from others. We keep our distance from God because we're, there's shame involved. And yet God is, is just as Rahab was found by God, God finds us and says, I want to I change the titles. The titles you think you are and the titles that other people put you on know, the titles I have for you are so much different. Jesus came along. And he was really good at changing titles, wasn't he? But he had his own titles, as well not only is the messiah is the christ the son of the living god he actually had the title that was derogatory that people thought were going to be derogatory to put him down that was friend of sinners and i think back then if t-shirts were printed you know what the t-shirts would say he would he would have friend of sinners he would have it across his chest i've loved it in fact i think that'd be great t-shirt friend of sinners wouldn't that be great to wear that around town and like what's that about i'm just i'm just example that because what happens is jesus was a friend, became a friend of sinners. To, to one, Mary Magdalene, a former prostitute, was part of his core team accepting them that. Jesus is, Jesus can shed those titles and gives new titles to us. Forgiven, new, friend, chosen, beloved, whole. I'll tell you what happens is the enemy will point out your past and show you your titles, but but God comes along and shows you what Jesus did for you and for the future that you have. So shedding those labels and letting them go. If anyone could relate with that, Rahab can relate with that. Secondly is this. To relate with her is this. Through faith, we access God's saving grace that leads to sacrifice. Through faith, we access God's saving grace that leads to sacrifice. It was God knocking on the door of Rahab's house that he was coming to rescue her, but he was actually also going to rescue people through her her story was not only a story surrender of the sovereignty of god but the story of of sacrifice that we she do but it wasn't going to be in her power we got to be reminded of this all the day long of what scripture says of grace by grace we are saved through faith it is not of ourselves it's a gift of god right not by works that no one can boast it's through faith and faith alone but what happens is when we know we're saved through faith guess what our faith is put into action it's just that Ray had to believe in the sovereign god she's saved that's great and her family's saved no god i'm going to be used of you because what you did for me and that's where scripture says that we are god's workmanship god's god's prized masterpiece created in christ jesus for good works that god prepared in advance for us to do God knew, even though Rahab had grown, came to a place she thought that was her profession. God say, No, no, no! I got a, I got a grander, purer, uh, wonderful, missional profession for you that I want to use, and He does it the same way for us. We can be saved positionally and perfectly before God but just like Rahab her story goes along with her our story goes along every hero in the Bible that we read especially in Hebrews 11 they all had one thing they were all flawed they all had a negative resume and God wanted to even use that God wants to use us in the midst of all this to save for her to save a whole nation responsible such a a load that was there i tell you when we put that on our backs and we say god i'm gonna take on what you're calling me to do we can get a little bit weary and so i would finally say this with us that we need to grab the hope by the rope we need to grab hope by the rope you see what happened with the spies is that in joshua is that you read chapters ahead they were preparing for invasion We can read about what they're getting ready to, and we will do that here in the next couple weeks and all that's going on. But what is silent in the next few chapters is this. What about Rahab? What about her? She's not only like, oh, you guys are going to go and you're going to take the walls of the city down. What actually happens when you live in the wall? What does that look like? What's the promise? Well, there's a promise. There's a promise that was tied not only tied for her safety, but it was going to be tied for the whole future of mankind. I didn't tie that too well. Tied to the window was actually something tied to her very heart that was happening. What happened for Rahab was you think, they're, they're walking around we're going to read in a couple of weeks we're going to read how they walked around the wall marched around at one time every day and the seventh day some time they marched around this thing guess what as they were doing that preparing imagine being the one at the wall imagine watching this army each and every day what were they what was she holding on to? I bet at times she's probably holding on the, the, the shovel. She's holding on the struggle, holding on in the fear, maybe melt like she was saying, melting in fear of what's going to happen. And and and, and what she was needing to do is hold on to the tikvah, hold on the hope. It was tied to her fulfillment in her life. I to invite the team to come as we prepare for communion. I want to encourage us with this thought. I want you to think about it for you in this way. As we prepare, as we prepare our hearts, as we get ready, I want you to think about this. Before Christ, we all lived in Canaan. We were surrounded by sin, and we fortified ourselves in that sin. But God slipped through the wall, passed everything that we put up against Him, and slipped into our hearts to speak to you and I of providing salvation and when we believed in his sovereignty, and we believed in what he had accomplished what he'd done and we receive it by faith. What did God do? He tied a s- scarlet cord around our hearts in the window of our hearts and made a pledge with us just just like the city the world will be judged. He says, no, I'm going to spare you because the scarlet, core does not represent your sin any longer. What it represents is my very blood that was shed for you already. Where do you hang your hope? Where does your hope hang? Jesus is called the blessed hope, the blessed tikva that hung on the cross for us I'm going to invite you to receive communion right now you're going to go ahead once you receive it the ladies are going to pass this out go ahead and pass it out now and when you receive it I want you to just go ahead and open it up just be ready with the the wafer and the the cup just be ready and we're going to we're going to partake together and as we do I want you to just to think about your hope and where you put your hope where does your hope hang right now I think a lot of us can think about the hope that we've put our faith into and the things that we turn to, but I could tell you they're more like shovel. They're more like things that we put out in our lives that we humanly have turned to to help us through, and we've hung on to things. But it might be a job, it might be, it might be relationships, it might be a nest egg that we've earned, it might be property that we have, and we see the all, all we're all seeing our appraisal of our houses go up, and we we just say, God, what's going on? And, and and yet we're we're in need. At the end of the day, there's this need all around us, and we start losing hope. In fact, if hope is on a rope with a rope that we're hanging on to, it, it just seems like we're at the end of it. What do we do? What do we turn to? thought was really interesting the timing it all and just God bringing us together and just realized that this week actually as I saw this in scripture and the story of Rahab and this beautiful you could say almost literally you know threaded story this woven story together it's so beautiful theologically the Lord provided but it's so it meant to me so much personal too a few months ago you might might remember my son Grant was up here and we were in the middle of challenging people to give to to a cause to fight sex slavery through the Rescue Freedom, the Belize Project. By the way, I think we reported, I want to let you know again, over a half million dollars came in on this cause of through the ctk network it's absolutely and they were trying we're trying to raise 125,000. it's just unbelievable what god is doing through that but my son got up here and he he shared that he and his church down in in the bremerton area actually is involved in and doing the same efforts and he he said my sixth grade group that I, I work with. We, we're all challenged to give to this fighting s- sex trafficking and, and, and human slavery. And you try to explain that to a sixth grade boy, it's a little confusing. There's some questions that come with it. But he challenged the guys. He said, you know, if you get so much, you get a pizza party. If you get so much, we'll do this. And then he said, hey, if you raise, if we, our little group raises $2,000, I and Ethan, my buddy here, our, our co-leader, we will get tattoos. Well, guess what? Those boys raised $2,000. And my son had to get the tattoo at the sketches place. He told me where he got it, but he got it. And this is what it looks like here. I want you to tell you something that's very interesting. That tattoo in Hebrew, I said, make sure it's the right Hebrew. Verify that. That is Tikva. That is hope. Where are you placing your hope. He's placed it fully, our very lives, in the hands of Jesus. His weight, of this, our sin on the world He took. He took our very lives to die for us and sacrifice for us. Jesus knew what was happening, knew preparing for that very work. So He gathered with disciples that last time. He offered hope to them. Hope for life and hope for forgiveness they can experience. He held up the bread and he says, this is my body broken going to be put to death for you to receive life. Eat in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. Jesus held up a cup and said this cup represents my blood the scarlet cord the, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world right here one drop will forgive all mankind's sin a new agreement a new covenant I'm making for your sin to experience complete forgiveness though your heart will be as, as of a scarlet it will be white as snow drink the remembrance of me let's pray together Jesus, you are the great promised land. You brought it to full circle, full fruition of what you've done for us. Lord, we no longer have to hold on a a rope that leads to us lacking any direction in our life, any strength in our life. We are to grab that tippah. We are to grab the hope that's in the rope, the hope that's in you, because what you did and accomplished taking our very hope that hung on the cross for us to give us life and to forgive us of our sins and so Lord we remember what you've done but we also are called to remember and to look ahead of what you will do because you are the blessed hope and one day the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and so we look for that day and hold on to that hope it's in and through you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand.